Hey, Nate, you got those new cards? Yeah, yeah, I've got them. I'm not sure you're going to like it, but uh, here you go. Here's a pack. Look, man, I don't understand how we go through cards so quickly around here, but, I mean, they can't be that bad. Let me well, just... you know, it's the blood on some of them. <sighs> yeah, so let me just uh, crack these open here. Dude, they, this doesn't even look complete. What? Why is there, like, multiples of the exact same card? That's just the way they've done it. Uh, do you see all the cards there? No, not at all. Yeah, that's 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 the way they've done it too. You see, the the model has changed. You see, what you got to do now is you got to buy packs of Sabat cards over and over and over again, and hopefully by the time you get enough of them, you'll actually have the cards that you want and need to be able to play a game of Sabak. That doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't they just give me like one set? Where it has everything that I need there, and I know what I'm buying, and then if I want to, I don't know, like get multiple sets for a larger game or something, then I can just get those. I don't get the I What is this? This, my friend, is Fantasy Flight Games' new business model. Ah, <sighs> sheesh. Want some dice? Enjoy your stay, Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino, your destination for Star Wars and gaming. And of course, we're part of the Star Wars Report Network. I'm your host, Michael Morse, and with me, as always, Nathan Butler. Hey, everybody. So what's going on, man? We got all kinds of stuff going on in Star Wars gaming right now. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, this is another of these episodes that's almost going to have to be all news all the time with a little bit of, of snark thrown in. I was going to say a little bit of opinion, but, mm -hmm. you know, with us, a little bit of snark thrown yeah. in. So it's a lot of places are like news and commentary, but here at Cloud City Casino, it's news and snark. I like to call it being an editorializing podcast. <laughs> As opposed to throwing snark, uh, which I'm sure would get you banned in like three or four different countries. Excellent. Uh, I'm sure that's probably some word that I haven't learned yet and just thought it meant the regular thing. But anyhow, man, so right now, as we speak, as we sit here on our butts talking into microphones, uh, there are other people who are out playing X-Wing for big prizes. And they're playing with Wave 9, right? Or their, their prizes are Wave 9? How is this working at Gen Con? So the prizes aren't Wave 9. The prizes are really sweet. There's a, um, a really good-looking... It's an alternate art card of Bosk and uh, Biggs. Biggs is the one that I thought looked really good. Um, it's kind of that one where they're um, essentially kind of going into attack formation, and then you see in the distance is the, uh, the Death Star. Um, and then, of course, there's also uh, a couple other things that I, I can't quite remember. Um, but, but like I said, I definitely remember those two being the uh, the, the main uh, cards that people are playing for. Of course, there's like uh, like um, uh, the little range rulers and things like that, uh, bomb tokens and stuff like that. But as far as the uh, the alt art ones, I, I can't really remember. I, I was trying to think. Um, 
Oh, that's right. That's that's why it was uh, Omega Ace. So that's why I couldn't think of. It. I'm like, I'm trying to think of a character, and it wasn't a character. But anyhow, those are the prizes they're playing for. However, uh, the way I'm understanding it, and, and I'm seeing pictures from uh, some of my friends who are out there right now, uh, they've got that that new Wave Nine uh, that they're pulling out, and and they're showing some of the stuff like the uh, uh, the Protectorate. Uh, I think is that did I pronounce that right? We're gonna protectorate say fighter. Yeah. So the, anyhow, it's uh, the one that we, of course, we saw on the uh, the rebels. Uh, uh, oh, what was it? Uh, Protector of Concord Dawn. That is essentially like it's kind of like their version of the Tie Interceptor. It's a little bit slower, is is how uh, some of my friends have been describing it to me as far as looking at those dials. Um, and of course the uh, uh, the Shadowcaster has all green threes, which is going to be so good. <laughs> so, um, and and they're all excited about Asajj Ventress. I was like, oh, that's great because I would love to play Asajj Ventress because she was actually uh, for the longest time she was my favorite Clone Wars character, and she still is up there as one of my favorite uh, Clone Wars characters. So, um, yeah, this is going to be really fun, and uh, it, it looks like this this Wave Nine stuff is is going to do a lot better than like say uh, Imperial Veterans. Um, Imperial Veterans looked like it was going to be really good, and it didn't make quite the effect. Now, I say that, but someone has shown up with a, a list there that's just ridiculous, and, and a lot of people are mad about it. Uh, but I think it's hilarious. And essentially, because of course everyone thought that the um, uh, the, the TIE Defender was going to be the, the big thing that was going to be great. Well, the other thing that they included in that set was a TIE Bomber, but it had a... Uh, essentially a loadout so it can be a tie shuttle and so what everyone's or what at least one guy's running is five tie shuttles and he's throwing the uh, tactician in and what that does is that causes stress which will lock down a ship uh and then another one that's darth vader that just does every time it attacks it does a, a critical damage uh to the opponent so he's basically just locking shut uh, locking his opponent ships down and then just blowing them up with darth vader <laughs> Very nice. So he's playing very much like I was playing in Battlefront for a little while. Throw down the little shock thing, zap them, and while they're being zapped, just pound them until they die. Yeah. I like that. I like, I mean, and that is a valid strategy. It mm -hmm. may piss people off. Right, But it right. is a valid strategy. It's not like exploiting the rules. It's playing these, in a sense, kind of the way they're meant to be played mm -hmm. and just playing them in tandem so that they can get a bigger bang out of it. Although, uh... I don't know. I'm trying to remember how many TIE shuttle cards there were that came with that set and wondering just how many sets this guy bought <laughs> to be able to pull that off. If I if I remember correctly, it's only two. So he would have had to have bought three of those sets. So Wow. You know, um, I mean, I plan to probably get a second one myself. I, I doubt that I'll get the third, but even still, uh, it's... You know, it's it's not that bad, it, especially like a, I always tell people, and, I, and I've got some friends uh, that that I'm trying to get in, and they're like, "Oh, I bought all these." I'm like, "Dude, find a list and put, you know, and, and uh, get your stuff up to that list first. Like, don't go buy like this rebel ship and this scum ship and this uh, imperial don't ship." Like me, yeah, because you can't you can't put those together to to play. Like, you need to to pick one list and just play it and play it and play it till you're sick of it. And then you might actually be decent enough to uh, to really, really be good with it. So, um, you know, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm exaggerating a bit, but but that's the thing is, you know, it, it, a lot of people that are good play the same list 
over and over. They're, you know, they get a lot of experience with the list that they're they're taking. Um, so, you know, as far as jumping around on a lot of stuff and everything, that's not really as great. So, yeah, that's uh, I don't know. I don't know what more I can say about that. Like I said, I, I stress that a ton to to people. I'm like, it's not that expensive if you start out with a list and then kind of build out from there. But if you want to get everything and then have enough to where you can play any list at any time, like I do, because I'm crazy, uh, then yeah, it can get expensive. Gonna break the bank here. Um, <laughs> I guess that's, of course, an indication to us that Wave Nine should be coming soon. We've seen it as on the boat recently one item that has been just released that i guess i'll have in my hands here within the next uh, day or two because i order it online it should be shipped to me very soon is we have a new entry in star wars role-playing from fantasy flight games we have star wars the force awakens beginner game although this one's a little bit different okay uh, the weird thing or i guess two weird things about it one is this beginner game is not meant to presage an actual game. This is meant to be a gateway game where you play the Force Awakens beginner game because you're psyched about that era and psyched about the film. Mm -hmm. And then you learn the mechanics by playing this instead of one of the other beginner games for Force and Destiny, Age of Rebellion, or Edge of the Empire. And then you'll have a sense of the mechanics to be able to play any of those three product lines. And it's sort of uh, meant to get you into that. But what strikes me as odd is that second item that I would say is, is a strange thing about this, and that is its time period. This actually is set in the time period, it seems, of The Force Awakens or leading up into it. You've got several characters, uh, Fira Bon, uh, Marley, and so forth. These characters that when you look at their backstory on their uh, character sheets, it flat out says, or character folios, I suppose they're called, it says, you know... Uh, Born at the beginning of the New Republic uh, and the fall of the Empire, this character, blah, blah, blah. So we've got these characters that apparently are in this story set three decades <laughs> after all the other RPG products from Fantasy Flight Games for Star Wars. So I see it as a great thing to get people into because I think The Force Awakens is going to draw people in just by seeing that name. Right, and I'm curious what they're going to do with the story around that time with this big, with this set that, among other things, includes a galaxy map instead of a location map. I'm kind of stoked to see what's going to be in this. Yeah, but it feels, oh, I don't want to say bait and switch, mm -hmm. but close. Like they're misleading people if people are going to get into this and think they're going to be playing adventures in the era of the Force Awakens. When all the other materials, unless they go through and revamp it themselves, right, all the right. other materials are set during the period mainly between A New Hope and Empire. True. And and that's the thing, you know, for me, I like that, uh, I, I do really like that they're um, they're doing that. I, I hope that there, there's enough to where it's not essentially just like a, oh, here's a here's the cheap starter box. Like, for instance, um, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, they did this with their, their latest... Uh, what was it called? Uh, um, version five or five E five E is what they call it. So, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, here's the little starter box, but you really, you know, it's basically just a, you pay to, to sort of get the most basics of the game. But if you actually then want to play the game, you need to then go, you know, buy the actual uh, core book and, and well, dungeon. Have you, have you checked out these before the beginner games for the RPG? 
Um, you know what? I actually have one or two of them, but I, uh, I, I mostly just pay attention to the the actual core books. So I have, gotcha. yeah, I, I, I'm actually looking right now. Uh, I mean, they're they're designed so that you'll need the core book to get all the necessities to really play an ongoing campaign. But to be able to just sort of dabble into it and create some quick adventures of your own, it works fairly well. You've got an adventure book that takes you through a, a starter adventure, but also takes you through and sort of explains it as it goes. I love the way they do that. They've got these different boxes of what do you read aloud to your players? What do you explain to the players at what points? Fantastic way of learning the game. And then there's a rule book that's with it that's much smaller, of course, than the core rule book that helps explain you know, more of the mechanics. So if right. you, unless you're really going to get into the nitty-gritty and be playing for a longer while, you don't need to buy like a $60 starter book to start dabbling in it. And theoretically, rather than creating a character, which is a big part of the core rule book, you could keep playing with these pre-made characters and not need that information either, at least for a little while. So I found these to be a really good value for just getting people in the door. I'm not sure how much you would need to have all four of them now kind of like just need one to get the basics and then jump to a core rule book of something but that's basically what they seem like they're trying to do with this it's right it's the timing it's the, it's the chronology it's the timeliner guy in me that looks at this and goes so what exactly do they expect you to jump into if you're getting <laughs> excited because this is the force awakens a lot of that excitement's going to be on it it's sort of like you know you're learning to drive and they let you learn how to drive in a ferrari and then they're like Congratulations! Now, here's your Honda Civic. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and that's the thing. It's you know, and it's like a Honda Civic. I guess wouldn't be as bad. It's just, it's like, hey, here's your um, Chevy Aveo. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that's that's kind of my concern with it. And, and I may, you know, I may need to kind of look into it more. I just all I ask for it or ask from it is that they just make it so that you can you can take this and you can actually implement it into uh, the other games and, and you can kind of continue along this because there, because the whole idea is to get people into the game through The Force Awakens, right? So if it's the stuff from The Force Awakens that you like and are interested in and it's like, oh, hey, this got me into it, but now everything else is all of this older stuff or, or, or you know, it's more like Legends content or whatever, um... I'm kind of having a hard time. I'm just hoping that there's enough there that you can kind of implement it all together. Because, I mean, I don't have an issue from a, a chronological standpoint because, to me, uh, especially being someone who's who's been a dungeon master or game master or whatever before, you know, I like the idea of being able to kind of tweak it as you go and, and, and tell your own story. You don't necessarily have to go by a guide. And because a lot of times with those guides, you're you're like, okay, so I'm supposed to follow this along, and your crew's like, no, we're gonna go kill this guy. And it's like, but the guide says you need to go this way. Yeah, no, we want to do this, and you're just like, uh, uh, okay, I guess we're doing that then, you know. And you find yourself sort of making stuff up, anyways. Um, once again, I'm I'm exaggerating a ton, but but point being, you know, I think that that is what makes a role playing game fun and and exciting is that whole uh you know telling a story telling a a unique story that the the group sort of tells together and and creates their own characters and everything like that i don't just just to me i i'm fine with that just 
you know, I hope that I have enough tools in this uh, TFA box to to play a, you know, uh, a game set in that time period, in that world, you know? Yep, that is true. And I think you you briefly touched on the other concern that I would have just as a someone who is a, a consumer of Star Wars lore, so to speak, which is the whole, you know, they've been doing some blending of canon and legends already quite a bit with this product line. We're being told that games are meant to be authentic Star Wars experiences, not in one continuity or another. But this may suggest to people, well, it's all canon now because, see, it's The Force Awakens when you've got a lot of legend stuff in there that doesn't necessarily mesh well with canon and some of which doesn't really make sense if you try to carry it over. So um, it brings up the need again to remind people, hey, this is just meant to be an authentic Star Wars setting, so you can just play. It's not about right. fitting one way or the other like West End Games or Wizards of the Coast at one time did. Um, speaking of fitting together, oh, oh, with <laughs> the segues this time. Nice. Um, we're used to this idea for another Fantasy Flight Games Star Wars game of sort of being puzzle creators or, or puzzle builders. Because when you play Imperial Assault and you want to play campaign or skirmish missions, you are building specific maps based on the scenarios that you have. And you got all these little tiles that, when pieced together, form this map to play on. And then when you're ready for the next game, if you want to use a different map, you just take it apart, put the next one together based on whatever its diagram shows in the instructions, and play. But apparently, there must be some people out there who really want to be able to play faster and find that putting the puzzle-style design together is just uh, it's just too much. Because now, Fantasy Flight Games has released, and of course because I review these things, <laughs> I've got them on order, right. and it's killing me because I'm like, oh, I'm just about to pull my hair out. <laughs> they have decided to make pre-printed skirmish maps yep. for Imperial Assault, essentially like getting a playmat for X-Wing or like getting a playmat for the LCG, which they have available. They now have these large rubber play surfaces that you can get that you just, you know, unroll, and it has a pre-printed skirmish map on it for one of three scenarios, each of which is sold separately, of course, uh, as opposed to one being on one side, one being on the other. That way you can just flop it out, Play on it. Wait, you don't I'm sorry. need to put it together. I'm sorry. You're supposed to do what now? You're supposed to flop it out? I heard that you can get put on a list for something like that. This is this is true, and then they <laughs> won't let you live close to a school. Um, but it's you can really flop out the map. Better? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just play directly on it. There are three of them that they have recently announced that are available for pre-order at various places. There's the Training Ground Skirmish Map, the Nelvanian War Zone Skirmish Map, you know, Nelvana, Nelvanian, you know, the, the weird blue dog people from the Clone Wars micro-series. Uh, and Coruscant Landfill. Uh, and granted, I actually like the fact that there are some there's some variations to the different terrains that you're playing on when you actually look at the way these maps are designed. But to me, it does seem a little odd that we're getting pre-made skirmish maps of things that, in theory you should be able to put together using pieces from the various box sets. Uh, to me, it, feel, it, just, it just feels redundant, I yeah. guess. Uh, what do you think? So um, I think the key word here is definitely skirmish. Um, 
and you know you're talking about like oh apparently i'm like yep that's me i'm that guy <laughs> i'm the guy who's like oh put this thing together but there there is a le- there's some legitimacy to it because how these uh these skirmish matches go especially like in a tournament setting your essentially your map time uh, the the way the rules go, let me see, I'm trying to remember, whoever has initiative has to own the map and build the map. So, you know, it could kind of be a way to, and I'm not saying that I've heard anyone do this, um, but you could essentially, uh, especially if you know that you have a, um, a squad that may do a whole lot in the beginning, but may not really be able to, to last as long, uh, you know, so... so you could essentially try to eat up time building the map. And, you know, I mean, that's the thing is, is you want, you want to spend your time playing the game, not building the map. So for skirmish, I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, in fact, I actually already have some maps, not these maps, uh, per se, but, uh, a local player actually, um, had them printed out. They're, they're actually really nice. I'm not sure what, uh, what these maps are, are going to be. I didn't look too much into them because I, I saw the price tag and I was like, whoa, not doing that unless it's, you know, it comes down to, to needing them, like I said, for a tournament setting or something later. But currently I'm, I'm not planning on it. But uh, point being, he was able to, to get several of them print out and sell to uh, all the local players for like three bucks each. Um, and, and that's what I play on because it's just so much quicker to flip one of those mats out instead of sit there and build all the tiles as soon as, uh, you, you know, like we're like, hey, what do you want to play? You know, as far as like a, just a pickup game and like, oh, OK, we'll just do this one, you know, because at that point, then you're like, oh, crap. All right. Let me find this piece. Where's that piece? You know, let me f- where is it at? Because, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen if you keep all your tiles together, you accumulate a lot of tiles. So it's just much nicer to go, oh, you want to play on the uh, the cantina map? Boom. Here's the cantina map. I just rolled it out. Let's go. And I could see that if you're doing it sort of on your own, kind of like, you know, I've started playing Marvel Legendary and I love that game. We're going to touch on that concept again in a second when we get into <laughs> another one of our topics. But uh, I love the fact that fans are doing things like creating dividers so that in these boxes that are already designed for dividers, you'll have these pre-printed ones that give you all the information that you need on the little slip. And all you got to do is have some card stock throw it in your printer, download a PDF, print it, and you're good to go. I see that as something that, you know, fans doing to try to speed things up is great. It just seems it seems odd that the company itself is doing this and that they're basically saying, hey, here's three specific skirmish maps because you know that's going to try to funnel at least some of the gameplay towards those specific uh, maps, I would think. Well, For what it's worth, though, I will mm-hmm. say from a price standpoint, I'm impressed. Okay. Sort of. Sort of. Because each of these is 25 bucks. You can get it for cheaper places like Miniature Market, whatever, but 25 bucks. Mm-hmm. Whereas the playmat for t- for the two-player version, the one that actually has the spaces marked and everything, for the LCG from them is 30, and all of their X-Wing playmats are 40. Right. So this is the cheapest of the three game types of playmats that Fantasy Flight has put out for Star Wars games. It is and it's not, and and here here's why. So the reason that they like you're talking about that um, the maps that we have printed out uh, or that my my buddy printed out, um, they're the tournament legal maps. There's actually a handful of uh, tournament legal maps. Like uh, I remember see one of them's the Hoth map. 
uh, it was the Princess Leia map. I don't remember, but um, you know, there's there's essentially a few different ones, so you know what your your options are uh, in a tournament. And and so essentially, what happens uh, is you have those, and they get picked at random. So that's why that's the case. But the thing is, you're gonna need them all. Whereas with uh, with X-wing, you know, okay, hey, it's the forty dollar map. But you can decide, do I want the Death Star, the Death Star 2, hmm. Bespin, or do I want, uh, what was the other one, just a regular Starfield map, right? Yeah. Can, can I ask a clarification? Mm-hmm. So are these three, the three tournament legal maps? Um, I'll be honest, once again, like I said, I didn't, I didn't specifically look at, uh, at the ones, do you recall which ones they were again? I just, I literally just closed it. Sorry, sorry. Uh, and I can... It's easier for me to get it from miniature markets. Skirmish map mother. They are the Nelvanian War Zone, the Training Ground, and the Coruscant Landfill. I am relatively sure that those are the the tournament legal maps. You know, it, it's not specifically even the maps because there's a couple of different scenarios that can be played on those maps. Um, so basically, it's unlike with X-wing. Where they're expecting you to buy multiple, or they're expecting you to buy one and maybe put them together with multiple if you want to. Mm -hmm. Or the LCG where it's just one and done because it's the only one that exists. In this case, they're assuming this is more like a set to get. They're just selling them separate. Right, right, yeah. Because, I mean, that's the thing is you don't necessarily have to. Uh, In fact, you know, how it could kind of be helpful is, for instance... uh, if if one of those maps comes in a um, in one of the expansions that you don't really want to buy, you can get that map and then not have to worry about picking up that expansion. Um, An expansion which would cost only negligibly more than buying the map for twenty five dollars. True, true, but um, if you have no, I mean, because I mean, let's say for instance, so this map's twenty five dollars, but what's a? I'm talking about the the larger one. Well, I'm gonna say the sets are either forty or sixty. So granted, right. it's still let, but mm-hmm. I would think that paying the sixty and getting all the other stuff to be able to have the map would still be preferable for most people to paying 25 just for the map, just because of the value you get out of it. But then again, it what do I know? I just teach economics <laughs> and most people don't understand. No, it anyway. no, I, so, no, I hear you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, most people would make the, the impulse buy decision, mm-hmm. I think more so than the, well, let's see what value I get out of this versus that. So maybe I'm overthinking it and I'm giving people too much credit that they're going to think about, you know, like value per dollar and bang for your buck as opposed to what map now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I, I hear you. It's just that uh, I think that, um, you know, there's some, I mean, for instance, like the, uh, whichever the, the Tatooine box uh, that came out, I don't recall there being much from that one that was very good, you know? Um, the, the Hoth set was really good. Um, but the, you know, so, sometimes they're not as great or as needed. And if you just want to, to play your, um, you know, your list in a, in a tournament setting, you may not really want to spend that extra money because it's extra money that's wasted and you got to put it together as opposed to already being assembled. So, you know, it's, there's, yeah. there are, uh, there's some, uh, you know, some, uh, justifications for both sides, I suppose. Okay. Um, so... Now- I'm sorry. I was about to jump us to the next topic. Oh, I was just going to say, so it looks like a moisture farm 
Kuwait's, uh, Kuwait Space Station and Ord Mantel Junkyard are the ones uh, that were legal as of uh, July 2nd. So basically you're buying... Oh, that was last Maps year. that aren't tournament legal. At, oh, okay. Never so mind. So, so I don't even know. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. Yes, I, I yeah. can see them making these the tournament legal ones if right. they're not already, if only because that would be a a, a good sales aspect. Yeah, here. I don't. I think, of, I think it would be yeah. a really, really big mistake to be like, and here they are, but none of these are tournament legal. Thanks, FFG. I appreciate you. Yeah, it would be as though Fantasy Flight Games was moving to a model that wasn't consumer friendly. Like, <sighs> what on earth? Where could we get that? I Oh, we've and got another <laughs> another you, big announcement. Can you open up that uh, that booster pack and see if there's a segue in there? Uh, uh, open it up. Uh, we've only got part of a segue. I've got three words out of a five-word <laughs> sentence, so I'm just going to make this one up as I go along, alright? Um, so, Fantasy Flight Games has debuted at Gen Con. Uh, a friend of mine has already started getting a chance to play this and says that it, it relies a lot on luck. Um, but uh, premiering at Gen Con and recently announced on FantasyFlightGames.com is a new Star Wars game called Star Wars Destiny. Now, Star Wars Destiny, unlike the LCG, uses not just cards, but dice. So it's one of those dice and card games that you'll see on the market. Uh, something we haven't seen with Star Wars before to any large degree, not in this particular style at least. I know, I think it was what, the TCG from Wizards of the Coast had some dice involved at times, but mm -hmm. this is essentially combat dice combined with cards, with stats, and all that kind of stuff. Well, here's the, the, the rub. Whereas Fantasy Flight Games so far, I've been praising like crazy, I know, about their ability, for instance, to put out an Imperial Assault box set have characters in it with tokens and, and deployment cards. So if you don't want to buy the expansion pack with the miniature and the extra game materials, you can still play as you know Han Solo or whoever you want to play as. Or the LCG. You want to get all the cards. You want to have exactly what you want to use to play against someone else. Buy the LCG. It's a living card game. It is not a collectible card game or trading card game. If you buy a force pack, it's always the same cards. You buy an expansion, it's always the same cards. You never have to worry about randomness and wind up repeatedly buying stuff you don't need in hopes of getting something that you do. Well, apparently, that's a little too simple. <laughs> Fantasy Flight Games is now moving towards a collectible card game, CCG, or trading card game, TCG model, which is essentially what we got with the Star Wars CCG from Decipher, with the Witches of the Coast uh, TCG for Star Wars, and with other things like Jedi Knights and whatnot that have been put out by those companies in the past. It's a game where basically you will buy one of two starter sets, at least as of right now, you have the Kylo Ren starter set and the Rey starter set. And each starter offers a fixed set of 24 cards with nine premium dice, a rule sheet, and all the tokens you need for one player to begin playing. So two players, you're going to need two starters to be able to do this. Um, however, to expand your arsenal and play beyond that starter, you're going to need to buy randomized booster packs. And each booster pack is going to include five cards, one of which features a corresponding premium die that is included in that booster pack. Uh, they say that these randomized booster packs allow you to enter the game at your own pace and invite you to experience the thrill of discovery or search for a particularly rare card. 
Uh, I haven't seen this game in play yet. I've never played a game like this. I'm curious to actually try to play it, but my enthusiasm is down at about a level 1 or 0 out of 10 because after being sort of treated well with the living card game model, I'm absolutely sick of this model. I do mm -hmm. not want to have to buy 10, 20, 30 booster packs in hopes of getting the few cards and dice, in this case, that I actually want. I despise the TCG CCG model these days after dropping hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars when I was in high school and in college on the Star Wars CCG. Yeah. Back in the day where you would spend 60 bucks for like a Han Solo card. I hate this model, and it kills me that Fantasy Flight Games of all companies, is moving to this model for a Star Wars product. Right, and so that that's the main thing, because I, I want to say, you know, you said you're at a one. Um, <laughs> you know, if, if I can be lower, then that's where I'm going to be. I don't... I, I have no interest in, in, in picking this game up whatsoever. Zero. And the thing is, I don't... I don't want to be too negative toward Fantasy Flight, because... Up until now, they were the only company, pretty much, uh, that, that, at least that I can think of, that was not doing some sort of, you know, quote-unquote collectible model. Uh, I mean, you think of anything from Pokemon to uh, Magic the Gathering, anything mm -hmm. that's popular like that, it's all blind booster packs. Um you know, uh, another popular... Even that, what's it called? Mm -hmm. Star Wars connections with the discs at Walmart that mm -hmm. you get. I mean, even those are blind packs. Right, but that that's actually more of a, you know, that's more of like a uh, trading card than it is a game. To, to an, to an extent, it's right. still a game, but right, okay, right. even Disney Infinity until 3.0 was doing its power right. discs in blind packs. That's right. a better example. Right, so, so it's not like they you know, went off and did a jerk thing uh, that, you know, I mean, they're kind of just doing what everybody else is doing. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of in, I don't know. This is, this may be them deciding, but it just, because it's so out of the ordinary because they don't just do star Wars properties. I kind of wonder if they weren't um, perhaps uh, instructed or advised to, to try this model out. Is that, I mean, do you think that's a possibility, or do you think like I don't know? And 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 I look, I don't. I also don't want to to bash on Lucasfilm or try to in any way insinuate that it's their fault because uh, because I don't know. I'm I'm just saying I wonder, you know. I mean, it's it's definitely diversifying the line. Mm -hmm. uh, to add in a game like this does add a new way of playing a Star Wars game for them. Personally, I would much prefer that they would do a freaking deck-building game. Mm -hmm. uh, I've said this plenty of times. My wife and I have played Ascension, played the DC deck-building game. They're both relatively straightforward, simple games. We recently got into playing Marvel Legendary, which is extremely complex and yet still a deck-building game. S different storylines, different win conditions, depending on which villains are out there and that sort of thing. Um, you could make a really complex Star Wars game in a Legendary-style model. That one's made by Upper Deck. Um, and have something strong and diverse without it necessarily being as simplistic as a lot of deck-building games tend to be. Um, but this still, even though it's not the model I would have preferred, this style of game with the dice is kind of a cool new idea. Again, I'm at least a little bit intrigued by it, and as soon as they announced it, I was stoked for the idea for the whole 30 seconds it took to realize <laughs> it was a collectible game. Right. That you're going to have blind booster packs. Because to me, what gets me about this is, is for players, I guess, like myself... 
Uh, I'm going to go with the selfish route here, right? Okay. Um, for players like myself, this is not a good model of purchasing because I don't go to game stores. All right. I don't go to specialty comic shops anymore. Uh, the last time I went to a special comic specialty comic shop, it was the one that my wife's dad ran, and it's been out of business for, for ages now. I'm not going to drive two or three cities away. Granted, I'm in Palmetto, Georgia, so I'm close enough to, uh, to get to most places within about 30 minutes to an hour that I would try to go to. But I'm not going to drive all that way to go pick up something like this. I need to have another reason to already be there. Uh, on the other hand, I tend to buy all my Fantasy Flight game stuff through Miniature Market and elsewhere. I'll buy stuff online for the convenience of having it shipped to me. But buying booster packs online is incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Because you're always – that that the impetus of, oh, just one more. Mm -hmm. Well, just one more now means I'm placing another order, justifying it by purchasing enough to, to justify the shipping cost, and then waiting for it to arrive in the mail and maybe still not have what I need in it. If they're going to do this model, they absolutely need this thing to be sold in Walmarts, in Targets, in bookstores. Don't make this a specialty shop thing the way that the LCG tends to be, um, the way the RPG books oftentimes tend to be. I know of nowhere in my immediate area, unless I go beyond about the 30-minute drive and I start going to like down, like actual Atlanta or Noonan or something like that. Uh, he lives in the area that I live in, so he's got kind of a general sense here. Um, <laughs> that carry any of this stuff. Yeah. I have to buy it online or make a special trip. Um, as for the model, I mean, I, I don't want to dump on them too much. I think it's a bad model, just right. in general. Um, but it is the norm. But I think that... I almost think that that means that we should be even more annoyed with Fantasy Flight Games for doing this. Your your thing was we shouldn't dump on them as much because they've been so consumer-friendly up to this point. But I feel like this is kind of like the Bernie Sanders thing. <laughs> right. you got all these different people who are utterly corrupt and falling in line and saying, we're going to endorse Hillary. Right. And then you've got Bernie Sanders, who for the longest time was the one voice standing out differently who would not bend, and finally he gets up and gives a speech and is like, we, yeah, we need to make sure we endorse Hillary. And it's like, damn it, Bernie! Yeah. <laughs> right? We expect right. this from this person or this person right. or this person, but you? I kind of yeah. feel like the same way. I feel like Fantasy Flight was the one that I could hold up on the pedestal and say, see, these guys have a consumer-friendly model. These guys know how to treat the fans right and still make a profit. And now they've delved into this same thing that's the norm. I Right. I don't care if it's the norm. It sucks. <laughs> no, I, I hear you. I, I hear you. Um, I guess to me, it would be different if, say, they're like, guess what? X-Wing is now blind, blind packs. Then I would have an issue. Then I would be like, all right, let's 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 drive up to now, Minnesota and burn the place down. I but, was, if I can toss something out in their defense. Mm -hmm. See, I'm playing the devil's advocate here. I'm playing both sides. Uh -huh. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm supporting both ends, unlike the DNC, speaking of Hillary and Bernie. Um... <laughs> The price, according to the Fantasy Flight Games website at least, for those starter packs is 15 The price for a booster is 3 So compared to some games out there that have seen their booster pack prices inflate over time, these are still at about the same prices that we would have been paying for CCG booster packs back like in the 90s. So as bad a model as it is, it could be worse. They could inflate their prices to match the norm from some of these other games. And and now with that, you're you're getting the actual physical dice with it as well. Yes, yes. So you're getting five cards and a die, which is less cards than most booster packs for most games. But you're getting but the you're actual. You're getting the die, right. which from a production standpoint, I would assume significantly increases their cost beyond just cards. Correct. You know that's true. 
Uh, um, so like I said, that uh, I, I definitely think they should get points for that at, at least. Um, and, and you know, you, you were talking about the specialty shop. I even wonder, especially when you think about, you know, the time period that this is sort of coming out and when um, last uh, Force Friday, what, what was happening, which was, you know, we saw the, uh, uh, the Force Awakens starter show up and, and targets. I wonder if maybe that's going to be the thing. I wonder if maybe the, we're going to see these in target. Um, and, and you know, if, if that's the case, then I can kind of see that a little bit more. I still maintain that I'm not going to, to buy it. Um, although, you know, at this point I'm like, well, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just get a few because that's not awful. Um, and then I'm like, crap, I just spent like $500. Um, but uh, I, I don't think that's going to be the case, though. So uh, the thing is, I, I can see where this could have its place and could be beneficial to them. And hey, you know, if I'm I may not necessarily buy this game um, because I don't care for the model. But if a lot of other people are doing it and, and it tends to uh, fund a company that I really like and, and therefore they can kind of continue to give me really nice product that I like, then all right, I'll take that. Speaking of companies giving us what we like, um, one of the things that is nice to know, I guess, is when a game is dying, how long that's going to take. Uh, it has a terminal bout of cancellation. When can we expect it to be completely dead? Um, so moving into another topic, we have Disney Infinity. We knew that Disney Infinity was dying, after 3.0, they weren't going to iterate to a 4.0. They were just going to add to that game. Once all the Star Wars products were out, they did continue to iterate a little, or to uh, add to it a little bit with things like Marvel Battlegrounds, but we then learned that they were shutting down Disney Infinity, closing down the studio behind it, and that Disney Infinity's various online components, like sharing toy box creations, were eventually going to be gone as well. Um... It sort of left this thing hanging in the air of when is that all going to happen? How long can I still play my game and share my toy boxes and such? Well, Disney Infinity now has a timeline for how it's all being disconnected, uh, released by Disney. Um, so, apparently, the con just to kind of bullet point this, the console versions of Disney Infinity will continue to operate as usual with full access to figures and playsets only with the exception of community content features and online multiplayer. In other words, if you got a console version of Disney Infinity, don't worry. It's not like your game is going to stop working. It's just the online components that will. Um, until September 30th of this year, community content will still be available, and players will still be able to upload and download any of their favorite toy box creations. That's a biggie, right? You create something, you have until September 30th to upload it. You have until September 30th to download any that you want to hang on to. Uh, they have cut off the in-game purchases for the PC versions of, for instance, 2.0, um, basically on all these different digital platforms. And for now, at least, you can keep making in-game purchases with the Steam version of Disney Infinity 3.0. But keep in mind that that's that digital-only version of the game as opposed to one that actually has the physical um, toys. As of September 30th, Players won't be able to log in to play the PC, iOS, uh, Google Android, or Amazon Android versions of Disney Infinity, and you will not be able to download those games from their app stores anymore. 
Um, as of September 30th, the Steam versions of Disney Infinity 2.0 and 3.0 will remain operational, except the online services. So in a sense, that's kind of like having it on a console. You can still download it and play it, but you would not be able to um, to go online with it or anything like that. The Apple TV version of Disney Infinity will be removed from the App Store as of September 30th. The community team will no longer be reviewing or approving any new toy boxes that are submitted to Disney for all console, mobile, and PC versions of the game. Um, however, uh, Apple TV or Windows 8 or Windows 10 versions of the game, uh, plus console versions, so most of them, uh, will still be able to download toy boxes from the community content section until March 3rd. Okay. Uh, March 3rd of 2017. Uh, after January 3rd of 2017, no in-game purchases will be able to be made within the Windows version of the game. They're going to remove that feature. And as of March 3rd, uh, Apple TV and Windows versions will no longer be available, supported, or playable. All Disney Infinity Online services and community features for all versions will be discontinued. So basically, um, by September 30th, Getting the game will be a little more difficult, and actually uh, getting content that you upload approved uh, will no longer be possible. But as you get between in the gap between there and March, you can keep downloading stuff for the game and playing online to some degree. But as soon as you hit um, March 3rd, it's all over. So we basically have until next March before it is fully dead, and it's in stages from here on out. You can find this at DisneyInteractive.com. Under the news section, this was news that they posted on July 29th. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I don't really have hardly anything at all to say on this. I mean, obviously, we, we have talked about that the, the game is dead, essentially. Uh, it is just sort of sad, I guess. You know, a little melancholy being like, yeah, here it is. You know, it's it's like... It's like a loved one has died, and you're like, okay, that's, yeah, I accept this. And then it's like, oh... Now we're now we're burying them. You know what I mean? Like it's just like kind of going through the motions at this point. And you're and, and I don't mean to like trivialize uh, losing a loved one. So uh, hopefully no one gets mad about that. But point being, it's you know it's sort of that sort of uh, feeling of just being like, yep, here it goes. It's you know just all downhill from here, where we uh, just continue to to lose the game a little more and a little more. So just a little depressing, I think. Yeah, but at least they've let us know. I mean, I, yeah. and they've oh, and after announcing that it's done, and after a few new products coming out, we do have a little bit longer that people can do this. Just just assume that if you want to hang on to this, you know, make sure you download whatever toy boxes you want to play before that gets shut off. And keep in mind that you won't be able to re-download them after a certain point. So, if you're playing on a console, that does mean having a little bit of space set aside on your console to keep those available. I don't know that those for instance with playstation plus i don't know that those can do the cloud save thing i don't think that's part of the game data that gets backed up so just know that you're going to need a little bit of space to hang on to these um but if you feel like it's worthwhile just download them beforehand you'll still be able to play them um speaking of console and pc games we had some new news from a pc game that we actually discussed recently on the show that had me sitting back going wow I can't believe they're getting away with this. <laughs> and, and it turns out that they're not getting away with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael, what's going on now with uh, what was a revival of what would have been Battlefront 3, Galaxy in Turmoil? And you might want to preface this with what it is, perhaps. So Frontwire Studios uh, initially was working on the uh, 
the Battlefront 3 game. And we, you know, it, it ended up getting canceled. I guess there was, there was a little bit of falling out or whatever. And essentially what happened was they said, you know what? We're, we're putting this game out. And they decided, you know, we're, we're going to try to go through this method or that method. They essentially assumed that Steam would not be okay with it before they even asked Steam. But then they turned around and asked Steam, and Steam said, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. You can, you can put the game on here. Uh, also keeping in mind, it's a, a free-to-play game. Uh, so essentially, as far as I know, at least up front, they're not making any sort of money off of this game. Uh, but they're, you know, they're planning on making the game and everything. And, and Nate and I talked about it beforehand. We're like, well, that's kind of odd. But the thing is, I'm like, well, yes, but if it's not really in direct competition and, uh, you know, they're not really, you know, seemingly making any money off of this, um, Lucasfilm and Disney has kind of sort of turned, uh, uh, was it turned a blind eye, I guess, uh, to things like this in the past. And I even mentioned sort of with a 501st. However, I didn't take one thing into consideration, and that is EA. Um, because essentially, EA can say, oh, no, we don't like this. Because you, um, you know, they, they can basically say, hey, look, Lucasfilm, you, uh, you know, we have a deal. And we have the rights to make your games, but you're allowing these guys to make the games, and we don't like that. Well, Lucasfilm kind of has to say, all right, we're going to side with you on that. I mean, they have to, uh, to side with them on that. Uh, otherwise, that's going, to, you know, that's going to affect their relationship down the road and possibly even with other companies like, for instance, Hasbro or anyone else who, who they set up with to do licensing. You know, they have to kind of back... Um, what, what they said. So with that, unfortunately, uh, there was a cease and desist. Um, it was really more from the way I understand it, it was between, uh, EA and, uh, Frontwire Studios with, um, Lucasfilm kind of mediating. But, uh, now basically the, the, the skinny is the game is still coming out. The, it's, uh, just Galaxy and Turmoil. There's no Star Wars on it whatsoever. And, all of the actual Star Wars content has been removed. So, we're still getting the game. Um, I just, I, I do kind of hate that, um, that, that, like I said, the Star Wars content's getting removed. Because that is, that is sort of part of it, uh, you know, of, of what it was. I'll still pick the game up and enjoy the game. Uh, hopefully I'll enjoy the game. I mean, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I, I will still play the game. It's just a matter of... You know, it, it stinks that, that we weren't able to sort of get it in its full glory. I understand it, but it stinks. This is true. This is true. I, I find it interesting in, in the way that they explain this, um, saying that they and their attorneys still believe that they're falling under the fair use law, uh, but they have no desire to get into a battle legally with Lucasfilm and lose because of how much money Lucasfilm has, so they're backing off with it and such. And I just... I'm kind of sitting back here thinking on what planet would they think that they were fine with fair <laughs> use to do this? I mean, again, going back to the teaching thing, we, I teach government. There's a lot of and right. con, we taught constitutional law and there's a lot of legal angles that just come into play in a lot of the stuff that I've seen over the years. And it just it seems bizarre for them to have ever thought. 
and I brought this up on the show when we talked about it at first, mm -hmm. that they could use these Star Wars assets and be okay with it. It would be the equivalent of doing, say, a fan film. The problem being that this is a different medium. And it's kind of like the, what we thought was kind of a bull claim that Star Trek was making, right? The whole Paramount mm -hmm. saying, well, if people are making all these fan film series, they might get confused with real right. Star Trek, or it might right. be seen as a competitor to real Star Trek. Like, really? The people watching fan films are going to watch the freaking show. I'm not sure that's the case with video games. I think that this could be seen really as a direct competitor for players, at least, uh, if it had been essentially Star Wars Battlefront 3, so to speak. Um... A, a competitor for EA's Battlefront. Sort of a, hey guys, here's the Battlefront game you actually wanted. Right, right. Um, and I could see EA reacting negatively to that. Although, for what it's worth, I do find one bit of a uh, of positivity, I guess, in one of the things that they said within that statement. They talk about the idea of crowdfunding and whatnot and point out how many crowdfunded video games get funded but then never actually get made or they leave the audience hanging for years or it comes out like, say, Mighty Number no. 9 and it's a piece of crap. <laughs> right, um, right. And that they're not going to go that route. They don't want to become another statistic. And I think that, that speaks well of them. So I wish them well. Uh, mm -hmm. I hope Galaxy of Terminal turns out to be uh, all that it could have been minus the Star Wars license made with some new IP and this gets an off to a whole new universe of storytelling, and it, it gets all kinds of fanfare and excitement. Right. Um, but I, to say that this was not something I saw coming a mile away would be lying. This was, this was going to happen at some point. It was going to get shut down. You can't, you can't announce the big, you know, we've got the distribution with Steam now, and hey, everybody, <laughs> look what we're doing. They, they were way too high profile with this. Um, to take something that was already basically not legally sound and then push it to that next level. It just, right. It, it wasn't, it wasn't going to happen. The fact that it took this long for EA and Lucasfilm to say no, and that it was mainly EA saying no and Lucasfilm seemingly acting as their mouthpiece, um, that was the surprise to me. I would have expected this to be quashed much sooner. Right. It's, I mean, and, and that's, that's my thing is because I, I agree with you except for I'm like, well, if, if Steam is saying yes by this point, then I, then I kind of feel like they're in the clear. Um, that was and my thing. I think you mentioned that yeah. at the time that we were talking about it, that when I brought that up, you say, well, well, Steam said it was okay and we're mm -hmm. this far into it and they haven't been shut down, that that was a good sign. And I right. think at the time it actually was a good sign. Right. <laughs> Apparently it was too good to be true. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, the thing is, I, my hopes are that this game, this game comes out, um, and I, I hope that essentially uh, what's going to happen is that you're going to get a lot of, um, a lot of things of like, hey, that Battlefront, you know, a lot of different uh, fan articles and stuff of saying, the Battle, Battlefront 3 game is finally out, but it's not really the same, and here's a little, you know, but at least it'll get good press that way, and... Um, you know what? And if the game is very true to the original Battlefronts that we all knew and loved, that perhaps that may even because let's be honest, EA is a publisher, um, so perhaps you know these guys may be able to work with EA and develop, um, you know, something coming up for you know develop a Star Wars game or something in the future. So, I mean, there's there's definitely some possibilities and. 
I think it's probably with them doing that and with them saying, hey, okay, we will back down and everything, uh, rather than them trying to go head to head and fight them, still opens that up as a possibility. So, I mean, we'll see. It's still, uh, you know, it's still open to, to, to see what might can come of this. Uh, and, and that was kind of my thoughts from the, the beginning anyways, that this game is kind of, you know, they're working on such old technology right now in anything or, or any way that this isn't going to necessarily be like this great AAA title that's coming out, but it's going to be sort of a fun little uh, blast from the past sort of continuation type game. So, uh, you know, perhaps then that would open things up for them to then move into to doing, you know, a, a new game coming out soon. So uh, that may still, you know, we may still be able to get to that spot. It's just, you know, in the meantime, it's going to be a little less Star Wars-y in, in this title. Yeah, just don't worry. All you got to do is do like that one lady did and take your Twilight fan fiction and turn it into Fifty Shades of Grey yeah. and you'll be in all kinds of money. <laughs> That's um, very true. So um, <laughs> one of the things that we've been talking about recently on the show also, and I guess I'm sort of the segue guy this time because we're, we're pressed for time. Oh, yeah. Um, is this whole question of season passes and whatnot and EA and season passes and oh my gosh, here we are, it's not EA, but there's a Lego Star Wars game that's got a season pass and DLC. How dare they kind of stuff. Uh, We've got some news on the Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens DLC front at this point. Um, You may recall that the season pass will entitle you for $10 to three level packs and five character packs, one of which is exclusive to the season pass that you should not be able to get otherwise called the Jedi character pack. And every character pack is going to include eight characters and one ship. Well, when the game launched, if you pre-ordered it for most places, you could get the Empire Strikes Back character pack for free. But it hasn't been available otherwise. If you did it at GameStop, you also could get the Jabba's Palace character pack that I always forget about uh, <laughs> free through GameStop. Along with a little miniature like actual figure, uh, actual ship toy. Um, And then those who bought the season pass immediately got access to the Jedi character pack, but none of the other stuff that's expected to be in it yet. And if you're playing on a Sony system, you immediately got access to a free droid character pack and will have access to the Phantom Limb mission pack or level pack as it's called. Uh, Those are timed exclusives, those last two for Sony that'll eventually be available on all the other systems. Well, they, in the last two weeks, they've released four character packs as DLC in one way or another. Uh, two weeks ago, they released the first two for the season pass. They released the one based on the Freemaker Adventures, which is the series that's airing on Disney XD right now. It's actually pretty good. And then it they released the uh, prequel trilogy character pack with prequel characters that weren't covered by other packs like the Jedi pack and whatnot. So if you've got the season pass, you now have three of the five character packs, but none of the level packs just yet. You can also buy those also separately. I think I said also twice there. Separately at three bucks a pop. So $3 for one, $3 for the other. Presumably $3 for the other two. We don't know what the price is of the level packs yet. But I would say that that gives us a good indication of its value. Because you got a Jedi character pack you can only get in the season pass. So if we ignore that and we say it's going to be three bucks per character pack, that's 12 bucks. And you're only paying 10 for the season pass and you still get the level packs. If we figure the level packs are three bucks also, and they'll probably be more 
my my guess would be you're looking at $21 worth of content plus that exclusive character pack for 10 bucks. So it is a much deeper discount buying the season pass or the deluxe edition for 10 bucks more to get the season pass built in uh, for Lego Star Wars than you would see with many other games, especially not things like Battlefront. Battlefront saved you 10 bucks by taking a $60 a set of four DLCs and giving it to you for 50 Imagine if they had done it for about half price and given it to you for 30 or $25. Um, they also, last week, took the two that were pre-order bonus packs and released them each for $2 each. So you can buy the Empire Strikes Back pack if you didn't have it already and the Jabba's Palace pack if you didn't have it already. Although, I'm thinking that they actually rolled these into the season pass because... I had the Deluxe Edition, I pre-ordered it, but not from GameStop. So I already had the Empire Strikes Back character pack, did not have the Jabba's Palace one, which should have meant I would have to pay $2 to get it, if it was like any other game. Except when it was released, I went to the PlayStation Network store to get it, it was listed as free rather than $2, probably oh, because I have the Season Pass. So it seems like for LEGO Star Wars, the Season Pass is essentially meaning all the DLC, not this specified DLC and anything outside of that specified DLC you'll pay extra for like most games do. Um, it's making the season pass look like a better and better option and it's giving us a lot more characters uh, eight in a ship at a time for Lego Star Wars. Yeah, that's that is so fantastic. So I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm really thrilled with that because uh, that was my thing. I'm like, eh, I guess I'll pay two dollars to get the th the Jabba's Palace, but I'm like, oh well, apparently I just need to run jump on the PlayStation Store. So I know, I'm like, <laughs> wow, sweet. I mean, I saved two dollars. Yeah. Granted, that's not even going to buy me half of what I eat at McDonald's, but two dollars is two dollars, man. Two dollars is two thirds of five cards in a die. Yeah, <laughs> that's <now>. correct. That's, <laughs> that's going to be our calculation mentally from here on. It, it, it doesn't uh, go anywhere toward buying a, an actual Lego set, but... Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and speaking of the Lego Star Wars stuff, for those who have been following my YouTube channel, uh, I've been doing a Let's Play of Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. The At this point, we're done with the entire regular story, and of those six extra new adventures that, uh, you know, things like... Poe rescuing Admiral Akbar before the film and that sort of thing. I've done Let's Plays of the first four. As of today, I've used Free Play to unlock the last two, and we'll probably do those together on a live stream sometime between now and when this episode is released. So if you check out the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash user slash chrono radio, uh, or just look me up by name, Nathan Butler, I think you'll find my channel, um, without the P in it, of course. Uh, not on the channel, because that would be gross, and not in my name for the channel, uh, <laughs> then you can check that out and get a chance to actually see this in play if you're still on the fence about whether to buy it. I've, I've really been enjoying it myself. Um, speaking of seeing something on YouTube, yes, another segue. Uh, one of the things you can also check out on YouTube at this point is Trials on Tatooine. And I had no idea what Trials on Tatooine was until it was pointed out. This is that HTC Vive uh, VR mission for Star Wars that they're making available through Steam. Um, that's the one that's completely free? I believe so. I believe it's the one that is completely <laughs> free. Um, oh, okay. I don't have an HTC Vive. I don't use Steam, so I didn't go digging for it. Um, but it's kind of cool. It looks like, oh, great. You're standing around with a lightsaber in R2-D2. The Millennium Falcon's nearby, and you're swinging it around on Tatooine. <sighs> when does this take place? It takes place right after A New Hope or something? <sighs> you know, like you're feeling like you're going to fall asleep. The opening crawl is basically, 
hey, you're one of Luke's students. He's already setting up the academy here. You happen to be on Tatooine. They're going to bring you something. Go for it. Um, it's short and sweet. It's basically just you're there. You're able to move two hands. Uh, you have a little weird thing that looks like a TV remote that you use to interact with things that shows up on the screen, apparently, um, until you get a lightsaber. Uh, you fix a part of the Falcon. You deflect some blaster bolts back at some stormtroopers, and that's it. Uh, it's quick. It's simple. But it's yet another of these attempts to bring Star Wars into the VR realm, like what we're getting with the Battlefront VR mission when uh, PlayStation VR drops. So I was excited to see them moving into this, although, again, the cost, the, the cost of entry or the price of entry right. for this sort of thing um, is ridiculously high. And I would argue that you're probably looking at a higher cost of entry for something like this than for PlayStation VR because you're gonna, you may have to have a computer upgrade before you even get the, <laughs> um, you know, the, the headgear and everything that yeah, goes with it. Yeah, which is like 800 it. bucks. Yeah, it's, it's cool, though, but if you watch it, you know, they were able to record these sessions, so unless you get a little bit seasick while you're watching it, you can at least check out the story from these. Uh, and this one is a channel called Upload VR, all is one word, has the full gameplay playthrough of this, so you can at least see what it was like. I, I, I think we're finally hitting the point where VR, I don't know, I don't think VR is going to become a norm, but I'm thinking VR may reach the point where, like, motion controls were when the Wii was at its height. Like, it's going to be, like, feeling like an added-on thing, right? but a cool, solid added-on thing, rather than, wow, that was gimmicky and stupid every single time. Yeah, I mean, it's... I'm excited about it, but it's just so expensive. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. You know, things... Um, maybe it'll... You know, the, the price of entry will, will lower as uh, things come along or hopefully yeah uh or, but, i mean what what would you prefer your kidney or star wars vr probably the kidney oh okay yeah just just, <laughs> you, wait, <laughs> just you're, currently you're, thinking, such a, you're such a health nut yeah <laughs> right. uh, speaking of expensive entry oh yeah this one though i it's uh forget everything i just said <laughs> the expensive entry. I was expecting like, hey, that's what she said, or some kind of bad joke, or something. Oh yeah, that actually. Dang, that, I missed my I missed, missed my opportunity. It. Yeah. Um, we are seeing rumors, thanks to the digital bits, which has been reported on MakingStarWars.net, which is where most places for Star Wars news are seeing the news. Uh, but it's being reported, albeit not yet officially confirmed. That one of my longtime wish list things is finally oh, yeah. coming true. Uh, if you have a 3D television and a 3D Blu-ray player or a 3D television and like a PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4 that can play 3D Blu-rays, 3D Blu-rays appear to be coming for at least four of the seven Star Wars films, according to the digital bits. Uh, we have a quick update on the rumors we've been hearing regarding Star Wars The Force Awakens finally being released in Blu-ray 3D format. That was, by the way, something they promised for later this year. The latest from our retail industry sources is that Disney and Lucasfilm are considering a five Blu-ray uh, 3D box set, which would include The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, and The Force Awakens, all in Blu-ray 3D format, along with a fifth disc of exclusive bonus content. The, re release, the release date excuse me, would be presumably in time for the holidays this year and likely time to promote the theatrical release of Rogue One, a Star Wars story, on December 16th. As soon as they get any official word, they would post it. There has not been that yet. 
But we've known for a while that the prequel films existed in 3D because you had the, the theatrical release of The Phantom Menace and you had uh, the other two shown at Celebrations. Force Awakens, of course, got a mass release in 3D. We were expecting perhaps a 3D Blu-ray when it first was released, and it wasn't, and they said it'd be later this year. So I am, I am hoping, I mean, and it's not a gaming topic, but oh, I am so hoping yeah. that we are finally going to see Star Wars 3D Blu-rays uh, for the home market because uh, I've been, that, that's what my 3D TV has been missing. Is oh, yeah. Yeah. And, th- and that's the thing is, you know, both of us, this is, this is something that we've been talking about uh, several times on, on this show. So, uh, I, you know, I saw the f- uh, at Celebration, I saw uh, Revenge of the Sith in 3D. And I gotta be honest, I think Revenge of the Sith may be my least favorite of all of the Star Wars movies. But seeing it in 3D was like seeing a totally brand new movie. Like that 3D works so well in that film. And I was just like, oh man, this is like, I finally see this movie how George Lucas saw it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it looked really good. Um, so since then, I've pretty much declared that, hey, if we're getting 3D Star Wars, I'm going to get me a big old uh, 3D television. So it looks like I am need, need to start uh, trying to decide what model I want. And, you know, it's got to be big. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really excited. So, yeah, where I'm like, oh, $800, that's so expensive. I'm like, mm, what do are, what are, what are these cost? Like a thousand bucks for a big 3D TV? Yeah, that's... That's worth it, right? To watch these uh, movies that I already have. <laughs> that you already have over and over again, in my case. <laughs> right, um, right. I gotta say that I am, st- once again, I am very glad that I caught Best Buy when I did and got one of those PlayStation-branded 3D displays back when they were on sale for, like, 200 bucks or something like that. Uh, they're going on Amazon now for about 500 and... The price just kind of goes up from there. You don't tend to see them very cheap. And, of right. course, when you buy the TV, usually it'll come with maybe one set of glasses. You may wind up needing to buy other glasses for it. Um, just sort of be aware of the whole package if you're going to buy these types of things, folks, because it's not just a one-time purchase. It's almost like buying – like, if you're going to play PlayStation VR, it's not just the headset. You're talking the system, which hopefully you probably already have, but you're also talking the move controllers and such and the camera. Well, in this case, you go for the TV, you're also looking at needing uh, probably multiple sets of glasses so that everybody can enjoy the film unless you're going to sit there in your in your cave and say, ha, 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 this is only for me. <laughs> um which is kind of what I've got because it's set up in my Star Wars room, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, what, and I, I can see the complaints coming already. The how dare they make us rebuy these again? Why didn't they just give us a 3D Blu-ray slash Blu-ray slash DVD slash digital combo pack? Um, but I think by putting it out as a box set of those four, right. that sort of alleviates some of that because there wasn't a Mm -hmm. box set of The Force Awakens with any other Star Wars movies previously. So it's not a repackage of something specifically we already have. Plus, this is the first time we'd be getting them in 3D. What I'm curious about is, alongside it, are we going to see a 3D release digitally? Because that's not... It doesn't seem like that's nearly a market that's as big right now as Blu-ray 3D because of the processing power needed for it, because of the... Um, the connections to the television needed for it. Although, I want to say it's Netflix that has some 3D content that's available for streaming. So, oh, okay. 
I don't know. It'd be interesting if this is like opening the door to more or if this is like a one shot deal and that's it. Because as far as we know, the process may never have been completed or possibly even started on the classic trilogy. Right, right. And honestly, you know, because it's so funny because I'm like, I don't know if they would benefit that well from it. Because, you know, I'll even go as far as saying I don't know if... Uh, the Force Awakens benefited that greatly from uh, from 3D. I saw it in 3D multiple times, but it was less for the actual uh, 3D effects and more for you know the the higher quality sound, the the larger screen stuff like that. Um, so I don't know if they need them. If they make them, yeah, I'll buy them just because I you know just just to see how it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, if <laughs> if it's like, hey, guess what? We're going to uh, let you watch uh, the watch a new hope, and uh, every time a ship blows up, we're going to have like a a gun go off next to your head. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll try it at least once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll try anything. You'll, it's that Captain EO effect. Ever yeah. since Captain EO, everybody's like, oh, no, I must, and we need to have dancing. Right. Um, no, I, I agree. I think this will be a, a cool thing, and. It's going to get a lot of people to go out and pick it up, which hopefully will be a nice signal to them that uh, this is this is a viable thing. And I imagine this will be for 3D TVs and 3D Blu-ray players, for those who don't have the game systems, um, in a lot of ways, what games like Halo have been for consoles. You know, it'll be a technology seller. It'll be the killer app, um, not necessarily for a, a game system, but for these 3D TVs. Um, now, now we're just waiting for the 3D TVs that are inexpensive and do the whole uh, a Nintendo 3DS thing, where you don't actually have to wear the glasses. You can just sit in front of it, and it's like it floats in front of your face. Right, right. So, super excited! Can't wait to uh, to be able to crack into that. Uh, which, then again, I guess we do have to say this is just rumor, but I mean, Star Wars uh, making Star Wars reported it, so. That's, that's and Digital Bits reported it before that, and Digital Bits is usually pretty reliable. Oh, are they as well? Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I know that uh, um, making Star Wars seems to, from they seem to have a really good track record, so if I see something through them, I'm like, well, I guess this is happening. Um, so that's usually like my, my little meter for it. But like I said, once again, it's not official, but it's kind of official. <laughs> so, and you know what you just did? What I just did? You sort of just gave a review for making StarWars.net and their veracity. Yeah. Which is another segue. <laughs> right, right. So, um, you know, I guess the, the, the thing we need to do is kind of tell everybody uh, some of the places that, that we can be reached. Uh, and, you know, so because there's actually a, a new place now as well. Um, but, of course, we are uh, we can be found on uh, the Star Wars Report network or, or StarWarsReport.com. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, uh, and give us a review like uh, we've actually had three this month and I, I just saw them and I was like oh my gosh because um, I, I just I haven't been paying uh, attention for this last month and then it's like they they're like oh his back's turned let's go write a let's go write a review so um, like I said when I when I opened that up and saw three I was I was ecstatic so um, shall we share them yeah yeah let me, let me I'll go ahead and, and read those right now then um, so the first one was from agent. 1225 well, US agent like oh, the Marvel oh, character. Oh yes, I, 1225. Yeah, I, I kind of left that 
part out. I didn't see that there. But uh, it says, as a longtime Star Wars podcast listener, I have longed for a decent gaming podcast. I think I found it here. Well worth the five stars. Dude, thank you so much. Um, you know, hopefully we're, we're definitely going to uh, keep impressing. So, uh, yeah, he put impressive, most impressive for his, uh, his little header there. Uh, Nick... Uh, Vogel, I guess. Would that be how you'd pronounce it? Probably Vogel, based Vogel? on people I've known with that last name. Okay. Well, I apologize for butchering your name. But, uh, but anyhow, he said, uh, we do a great job uh, making a funny Star Wars gaming podcast. So, you know what? Somebody thinks we're funny. My wife usually just kind of just looks at me like, really? You done now? Yours too, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, at least I'm like, people on the internet think I'm funny. Then she nice. Just, it's interesting how, you know, people on the internet, we look at it like, the, our whole self-esteem is up because they think we're funny. But <laughs> it's whenever people start getting crappy on the internet, we're like, must kill! <laughs> right, right. Dude, chill out. It's just the internet. But they yeah. think we're funny. You know? Yeah. I don't know, we, we definitely have a strange relationship these days with the internet. And I guess the last one is the, uh, the more detailed, the longer one mm-hmm. of them. What's this one say? Uh, it's by Man Bat Data Vader. Uh, and he says, uh, great job guys. Keep, keep up the good work. You know, your stuff, uh, and the laughs keep me entertained during my train commutes, uh, to and from work. The payoff is when I'm standing on the train and I try to muffle a laugh. Those who are standing next to me tend to step back a step or two, uh, thus giving me more personal space amongst the other humans. Uh, have a great week. So in a way we're kind of like comedic Jedi. Oh, I was thinking we're kind of like comedic body odor. Oh, yeah, probably that. Any, <laughs> anything to make people step back a couple steps. Right. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. We, we've, we've got some folks out there who are listening and speaking up, which is fantastic. Yes. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, it's always great to see this instead of people who, who are like, oh, Rotten Tomatoes hates DC movies. Let's go to change.org and have them shut down. And it's like, <laughs> what? There's a new book coming out and it's not from my preferred continuity? <laughs> Let's blast them with negative Amazon reviews. Yeah. So it's always good to uh, to see that there is a good side of the internet. So I appreciate that uh, you three have really, really made uh, my day. It was multiple days now uh, since when I first saw it. But uh, anyhow, like I said, you can uh, also go and uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, but we're also on a couple of other places such as Stitcher, uh, tune in, and now we can actually be found on the Star Wars uh, podcast app um, by uh, Joe Joe Mignano is the one who uh, puts that together. Uh, and there's there's several different uh, Star Wars uh, podcasts that are all in that app, um, and we are actually on it now. And that's that can be found in the uh, Google Play Store. Awesome! I've been seeing him posting about that for a while, mm-hmm. and I keep thinking maybe I should approach him and ask about putting Cloud City Casino on there, and sure enough, he announced, yes, we just had a Cloud City Casino. I'm like, <laughs> you read my mind, dude. <laughs> right. And he's a, he's yeah. a good guy. This is a guy mm-hmm. who's been doing things with the Dark Empire, and he's been in uh, Star Wars podcasting himself for quite a while, so it's cool to see that there's now an app revolving around the genre, and cool to be a part of it. Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm thrilled to uh, to be in that, because like I said, there's so many uh, great podcasts that are on there that, that I like listening to, so... Uh, very cool and, and uh, definitely appreciate Joe adding us in there as well. Uh, I mean, besides that, I guess uh, you can find us, of course, uh, just at Cloud City Casino on uh, Facebook. And you've actually changed some things there. Um, yes, yeah, so it'll be easier to find us. It's still Facebook.com slash Cloud City Casino. No problem. Easy to find. But if you just do a search for us or if other people do a search just for Star Wars Gaming, 
it's easier to find us because our name now includes, was it, a Star Wars game uh, video and tabletop gaming podcast or something behind it. So yep. the searches hopefully will be uh, be more valid. People will be able to find it more easily. And in doing so, we'll have a bigger community. So if you're interacting with us on there, there'll be more people to interact with as a whole as part of that Facebook community. Yes. So more, more good side of the internet and less of the bad side of the internet. Um, and then besides that, of course, we're at Cloud City Casino on Twitter. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, I am at uh, Morris Isley on Twitter. And I have an Instagram, if anyone cares about that, I guess. I, sometimes I post things and I'm like, ooh, I'll take a picture and throw it on Instagram. So, uh, I think... Of your dinner? No, usually it's Star Wars toys. Okay. It's not your <laughs> right. Um, and then, of course, oh yeah, we've got the... Uh, the email address where uh, you can always send some stuff to us and, and we'll read on here as well, which is uh, cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. So that's it. I think, I think I've mentioned everything. I know you've got some places that uh, you want to plug as well. Uh, sure. Where you can find my Star Wars Timeline Gold. I'm currently hard at work on the 2016 edition. It'll be released sometime between now and October 17th. I think the 19th anniversary is the absolute last date that I'll put it out. Uh, not that it's ending, like the last date for this edition. I'm giving myself a deadline to get the freaking thing done. I know. I read uh, on the internet somewhere that they ended it and told you it was useless and you... Yeah, I know, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm serious. Like, Disney came in and just told me my life is my life means nothing or something like that. Um, but yeah, you can find that at StarWarsFanWorks.com slash timeline. StarWarsFanWorks.com. Actually, I, I guess I haven't mentioned it. That's basically where a lot of my old podcast stuff is, is held. My The audio dramas that I've done... My old shows like Chrono Radio, Fan Audio Made Easy, all that kind of stuff is on there, uh, along with some other stuff that I host for people who just needed a place to host their stuff. But you put a slash timeline on it, that's where you'll find the timeline gold. And uh, along with that, you can find, of course, my shows on the YouTube channel that I uh, that I previously mentioned. You got stuff like uh, the Let's Plays, my vlog, The Voice of Reason or Lack Thereof, uh, from the Star Wars Home Video Library and such. There'll actually be new episodes of that coming up soon on the... Uh, Ewoks, the Haunted Village screener copy, a screener VHS, uh, and episodes coming up on the UK versions of The Force Awakens on DVD and Blu-ray and how they had some different packaging uh, than the US had. So if you're into Star Wars home video stuff, there's that. Uh, plus plenty, plenty more Fantasy Flight games reviews and whatnot all there uh, on the YouTube channel. And of course, you can also hear me on Star Wars Beyond the Films, also at StarWarsReport.com, right alongside Cloud City Casino. That's right. We got to get back on uh, and do a, a live stream here soon. Uh, work is really being annoying, and they're all like, "Nah, you do this instead." I'm like, "But I don't wanna." Yeah, you're, you're you coming on will be the excuse for me to actually do another Battlefront live stream <laughs> because right now I've finished another hut contract, and I'm just kind of sitting there like. I could finish it up and do the upgraded version of it, but there's nothing else to do kind of thing. So I need some impetus. So yeah, let's get on there and do that sometime soon. All right. Sounds good, man. Uh, like I said, I think that's it. Uh, everybody appreciate you uh, checking in with us and uh, getting this far in. Uh, just, you know, never forget. Let the Wookiee win because he probably bought a bunch of freaking booster packs. <laughs> That's right. You don't want an angry uh, Wookiee with a bunch of commons and no rares.
This party's over.